Love that. <laughs> Take the, uh, the gift of God's word. Uh, turn to Luke 24, the very end of the gospel. We have been traveling through this gospel for many months now, and we are at the end of it. Um, and before we jump into the scripture itself, I'm thinking of how many times I have gone to a performance, uh, particularly classical music, but sometimes others as well, where music is played and a song is performed that actually has many endings. And uh, there's one ending that's really not the ending, but I think it's the ending, and I start clapping, (laughs) and I'm very embarrassed. And uh, then there's another, it keeps going, and then I end up clapping again at the wrong time, and then it keeps going. So it's a song with many endings. And I think of that because the ending of the Gospel of Luke, the end of the story, is that way. It has many endings. And when we came here on Easter morning, and we were in the very first part of chapter 24, Luke 24, the first 11 or 12 verses, uh, when I came in the sanctuary, Christian Halden said, well, I've read to the end of the story, so I know what happens. So yes, that morning we told the story about how the tomb was empty, the women came and the body wasn't there, and there were angels that were there, and telling them he's not here, he's risen, and it was one of those mornings where we were clapping, 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 but that was not the end, there was more. So last Sunday we came and we heard the story about these appearances that that happened, first of all, with these two walkers on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus just shows up, walks with them, talks with them, teaches them, and then is revealed in the breaking of the bread. And then they go to Jerusalem just totally excited and find out that Jesus has appeared to them too. So they're telling the stories to one another. And it's like clapping, clapping, clapping. No, that's not the end either. There's more. So we're going to pick it up. And I want you to join me in hearing God's word as it comes to us. Luke 24, verse 36. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? Why do, you, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. You can tell in this section that... Luke is eager to let them know that Jesus is not just a ghost. Ghosts don't have flesh and blood. Ghosts don't eat food. That Jesus, who was truly, truly dead, is truly, truly alive, not just an apparition. And that it's Jesus. It really, really, really is Jesus. And the fact that that is true, that Jesus, who was really dead, is really alive now, And that Jesus, who they knew and loved and followed, it's really the exact same Jesus who's standing with them now. This is the center of our hope. Our hope. Later this afternoon, in a few hours, we're going to have a memorial service here for Ruth Magulak, 84 years old. 
And every time we gather in this sanctuary, every time we gather and have a memorial service, a worship service when someone has died, we remember our resurrection hope. We remember that Ruth Magulak, and we claim for her and all those who live into this hope and this good news, that even though flesh and blood, truly, she has died, that we believe that she will be raised because Jesus, who was truly dead, was truly alive, is truly alive. That is our resurrection hope, so that when the Kalanithi family goes up to Skylon and they sit at the very place where they buried Paul Kalanithi over a year ago, and they remember him and celebrate his life, they know, they can know he's not there, that there is more. This is our hope. So that when a certain man, name is Robertson McQuilkin, I want to read to you a quote. He resigned as president of a Bible college, and he cared for his wife with Alzheimer's for decades. And as he looked at the reality of death and suffering, he wrote a poem about death, and he wrote this, I fear not death, for that grim foe betrays himself at last, thrusting me forever into life, life, capital L, with you, unsoiled and free. How can he write that? How can we celebrate that at our memorial services if it weren't for what we just read? Jesus was not a ghost appearing to them. Jesus, very dead, was very alive, and it was the same Jesus. And we have hope that death is not the end. And not only that, we have hope that our suffering and what we go through in our lives every day matters to God because God took that on God's self in Jesus Christ. So we pray. We pray at prayer stations on Communion Sunday. We pray in our prayer chain. Jeff and Amy Smith, before he had open-heart surgery this week, came in to pray, to be anointed. Why do we pray? Why do we pray with hope? Because Jesus Christ has taken our suffering, all of our suffering, to heart in God's own self, in his own body, and moved victoriously into resurrection. So peace be with you, he breathes on them. Hope and peace. Is this the end of the story? Clapping. This is pretty amazing. But no, there's more. Verse 44. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. There must have been such despair among the disciples after Jesus was crucified. 
that everything that was in their scriptures, the whole story of God's covenant love and God's covenant promises and what God was doing in the world and God's promised Messiah, everything about who they were as God's people must have felt like a failed project. Everything that had just happened to Jesus happened through the leaders, their religious leaders. Ugly things were happening in the temple. Ugly things were happening in Jerusalem. Ugly things happened to Jesus, and they knew that God's hand was upon him. So when Jesus was crucified, they must have felt like this is all no longer true. Everything they've invested their life in, everything that shaped them as God's chosen people, wasn't true. So now Jesus is with them, opening the scriptures, talking about God's covenant love, talking about God's purposes, talking about what was all unfolding in terms of God's Messiah. No, it's true. God's covenant love, God's covenant promises, the biblical story is true. It is still going on. It is still unfolding. I think for us, many times, we have a hard time believing that it's still true that God's covenant love, that God's purposes among God's covenant people really is still unfolding. The movie that won Best Picture last year, what was it? Spotlight. What was that movie about? It's a horrifying revelation about the church, in Boston in particular, and a particular research journalistic team called Spotlight from the Boston Globe uncovered the big cover-up about the Catholic priests and the sex abuse among these young children. Horrifying. Horrifying picture of the church. And you have these things happening. People leave the church. People give up on the story. The failure of God's people, and not just the failure of the institution, our own failure. I've been reading in Isaiah for one of our Bible study groups, reading Isaiah 40 through 66, looking for the theme of justice, but as I'm reading this, I'm, I'm hearing this theme of Sabbath and how important the Sabbath is. You spend the Sabbath seeking your own pleasures instead of delighting in the Lord, and it's like been very convicting. That's right. I do. I don't really do Sabbath. The failure of the church, my own failure, and perhaps times when we feel like God has failed us. I think that's really true for the Jewish people after the Holocaust, I think a lot of Jewish people have lost their faith because God failed them. How could that possibly happen to God's chosen people? Failure of the church, our own failure, failure of God. And yet Jesus sits with them and explains to them that the purposes, the promises, the covenant love of God goes on. God's grace and mercy is greater than our failure. There is repentance. There is forgiveness. No matter how much evil, no matter how much betrayal, no matter how much wrong we do, there is still forgiveness and grace and a new beginning. Wow. Wow. Is that the end of the story? Is that the time to clap? Yes, but there's more. Verse 50. Then Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy 
and they were continually in the temple blessing God. Okay, that's the real ending. Right? Jesus ascends. He's blessing his disciples. They go back to Jerusalem. They're in the temple, blessing God, worshiping God, filled with joy. It's the perfect conclusion because this is the way Luke started with Zechariah in the temple, in Jerusalem, worshiping God. It's just the perfect, perfect bow on this gospel. But no, not time to clap yet. I mean, there's a lot to rejoice in. But every time we're blessed, it's to give it away. That's always been the story in the Bible. Luke's not done. Luke's got more to say in the gospel, not the gospel, but in Acts. Telling the story about how Easter isn't really done until Jesus is alive in us and moving out so that the world knows this hope and this peace and this forgiveness and this grace. That's the end of the story. So cool when the Mexico folks came back on Friday, actually the very first people that got here way ahead of the bus, um, Jim Ritchie and Alir, and uh, Alir had this shirt on. They all were wearing the shirt that Amor gave them and I was looking at his shirt uh, while he was talking and telling these stories about what had happened during the week. And I kept thinking, okay, you know, I wonder what's on the back of that shirt. So, you know, finally I said, well, let me see the back of the shirt. There's nothing on the back of the shirt. It's perfect. Hope is alive in you and me. It's embodied in us. It goes out in us. That's where the story kind of ends but it's still going. That's the Easter story. And when you hear their stories next Sunday, hope moving out, the peace of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the calling of God, you will be my witnesses to all nations. That's the Easter story. That's the way the story ends. When that's happening, we can all clap. Amen? Amen.